Today, um, I have a special guest who's going to be here with us today, who's going to be bringing the word. Um, I've preached the last five, six weeks, and uh, as you know, many, most of you know, uh, I've sort of disciplined myself to take a week off every now and then. So this week is also graduation week. I have two of my 15 grandchildren graduating this weekend. One was yesterday, and one is at 1 o'clock today. So I knew I was going to be a little bit busy, so I figured I'm going to have a good friend of mine come here and speak today. Dan Moynihan has uh, come to us. Him, him and his family have been a part of the church for about now 14, 15 years and uh, have uh, just been a great, great blessing. Dan is a licensed minister. He's been able to uh, preach here a number of times. A couple of years back was the last time he preached, and uh, he is dealing with some health issues like we all have, but he's fine, and he's back here. Uh, I'm really excited about him. He, by the way, he does work at uh, Lockheed Martin, has been there for about 25 years, and uh, does a great job there, but we're glad that he's here with us today. Would you please welcome Dan Moynihan as he comes to speak to us today? Dan. Morning. morning. Very glad to be here. Uh, I just, uh, I think it's been a great series that uh, Pastor has been doing, Life After Death, and my message falls right along inside that because I want to talk about the millennial reign of Christ. And I'm excited to do so because uh, it just, uh, it's something that I think we need, you know, we get excited about the new heavens, the new earth, eternity. But a lot of times we don't necessarily study that thousand year period that comes first. So let me, uh, let me start by just reading something, then we'll get right into it. Revelation chapter 20. Now Revelation chapter 20 is a climactic chapter of the Bible because it ushers in the reign of Christ coming in his glory and his kingdom. So let's read the first uh, seven verses or so. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. Isn't that a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. I like that part too. And set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image. All that happens during the tribulation period. Had not received a mark on his forehead or his hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Again, they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in this first re resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests. Listen, this is talking about you guys and me. Shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. So life after death, this has been on my mind uh, for a while, I'm getting older. Note the white hair. And it's not so much that I mind getting old, but let me tell you something. My body doesn't like it too much. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> my body doesn't like it. And not only is it tough getting old in the body, it's mentally. I've noticed myself getting more cranky as I get older. 
Now, it's one thing if other people notice you're cranky, but I think it's really a bad sign if you notice yourself getting cranky. You know, in February, I, I don't, I have problems with these gas pumps now that play 20 questions with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mid-February, you're at the gas pump, and the first thing it says, what's your zip? You put your debit card in, what's your zip code? Okay. Would you like a fresh cup of coffee? No. <laughs> Would you like a car wash? No. <laughs> Uh, to the point where I'm there and I'm saying, when is it going to ask me how much gas I want? You know? Meanwhile, it's mid-February and it's like 20 below zero and you're freezing. So that makes me cranky. <laughs> However, I tell you what really gets me, and I guess it's not so much crankiness, folks. It's, it's a sadness. It's, uh, you know, where I work and it, there's, there's people that are so punctual. They're so... They have on their calendars and their smartphones, they know what they're doing for the next month, every minute, every second, for the next two months. And yet when you talk to somebody and say, what do you think happens after you die? What do you think happens in eternity? Well, I don't know, guess I'll find out when I die. That's not too smart. That's, that's eternity. Too many people focus just on this life alone. I don't know how to best describe eternity to you. All I can tell you is, if you go to the Atlantic Ocean and you take a thimble of water out every hundred years, that's this life. You know, once, once would be one. How long would it take you to empty the Atlantic Ocean every hundred years? It's infinite, isn't it? It's infinity and beyond, isn't it? So I think that really makes me upset. It just, it just bothers me how people can ignore so great a salvation. And I think as Christians, what we need to do is be more grateful for our salvation because that'll get us through some of the years coming. I used to wonder at the following scripture. It's Luke 18:8. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I know I first became a Christian about 40 years ago, and I remember I saw that verse and I go, hmm, I don't, but Lord, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, there's, but you know what, here it is 40 years later, and I see things around the world now where I can understand why he said that. You realize right now in England there's more a mosque than there are churches? Even some of the old great cathedrals from the 1700s and 1800s, a lot of them have been turned into Islamic mosques. Certain political factions in our country are trying to take God out of the pledge, off of our money, out of graduation speeches. It's becoming wrong to do that. Taking God out of swearing, I mean, it was in the news this week, there's people trying, in Congress, trying to take God out of swearing in ceremonies. Taking God away, taking God out. Let me tell you, as I describe the millennial reign of Christ to you, it'll be the exact opposite. Isn't that a good thing? It's gotten to the point where about three years ago, a group called the Newsboys wrote a lyric called Guilty. So I like you guys, so I'm not going to sing it to you. But I will read it to you because I think it just strikes that a song like this had to be written in our culture. And it goes like this. When did it become breaking a rule to say your name out loud in school when your name is the only one that sets us free? When did it become incorrect to speak the, life about, to speak the truth about life and death when your life gave us all eternity? Even if it gets me convicted, I'm gonna be on my knees with my hands lifted because if serving you is against the law of man, if living out my faith in you is banned, then I'm gonna stand right before the jury. If saying I believe is out of line, 
if I'm judged because I'm gonna give my life to show the world that fills me, the love that fills me, then I wanna be guilty. I wanna be guilty. See, we have to take a stand, and I think being grateful for our salvation and understanding our salvation is a big thing and, and being able to do that. If you're a Christian today, and there's only two groups of people in the world, you're either of Christ or you're of the world. You wanna be of Christ, okay? You wanna be of Christ. It's important this day and age to remember the reason we're here, the reason we were even created is to glorify God. The reason this world was created was to, be, to glorify God, but it's been taken over by the God of this age. But as we read, someday he's gonna to be tossed in a pit and he's gonna be shut up and he's gonna bother us no more in the final run. And that's a great thing. These are trying times, saints. The issues that plague our nation and world are monumental. And we as Christians right now, as I was just describing, we're more and more in the minority. More and more in the minority. You know, one of the great things I think about coming to church, I don't know a lot of you, I know some of you, but I know when I stand here worshiping with you, I'm standing with a bunch of people that believe the same thing as I do. And you don't get that. I mean, that's one of the great benefits of church. You don't get that. You're, you're out in the world, you're in a place where you're outnumbered 20 to one sometimes, wherever you are, I don't care if it's school, I don't care if it's work, but when you come here and you're standing in a group like this, you can at least relax and say, wow, I'm with people that believe 95% of the same things that I do, you know? And that's just a, that's something we shouldn't take for granted at all. Okay, so I wanna get back to the millennium. So let me just put some things that, uh, in general, we all know that uh, talking about the end times, there's gonna be coming a time period called the tribulation, correct? Now, most people think it's seven years. There's some people out there that think it's three and a half years. It's all on how you interpret Daniel chapter nine. But let's say it's seven years for, because that's what most people stand for. We also believe that sometime around the beginning of that time, there's gonna be something called the rapture, again, that where Jesus will come and he will take his saints out before all this terrible stuff starts to happen. And believe me, it will, yes, it will be terrible. After the tribulation period, then Jesus comes back with his saints and he comes on a white horse and this is where he grabs Satan as a scripture that I started at the beginning and tosses him away for a thousand years while he lives and reigns on this earth. So there's a thousand year kingdom and then he's released for a while. Then that's when the earth is burned up and Satan is thrown away forever, amen? <laughs> and to deceive the nations no more. And then there's the new heavens and the new earth. And there's a lot to talk about with the new heavens and the new earth, but there's a lot that, um, you know, it's really hard for our minds to imagine the new heavens especially because eye has not seen, ear has not heard. But you'd be amazed how many scriptures talk about the millennium. And for a thousand years, we will be brought back, those of you who know Christ, and we will live and reign with Christ on this earth. Isn't it good news? And I wanna share some things about that. I wanna share some things about that. Through the course of this, just for the next few minutes, I'm gonna tell you why there is a millennium to begin with, who will be in it, what will a government under Jesus be like, what will the physical earth be like, and now for all you animal lovers out there, what will the animals be like? All right, so first, why a millennium? Why does God even do this? Why does God have this period on earth that he wants to rule? Well, let's, first of all, there were promises made to Israel in the Old Testament. So let's read a couple of those scriptures. First one is Ezekiel 37, 25 to 27. 
And it says this, then they shall dwell in the land that I've given to Jacob my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, <laughs> I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Another one is Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is the name that he shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. This thousand-year kingdom is the end of human history as we know it. And the end of the present universe as we will know it because God's going to make all things new. After a thousand years, everything in this created order will be destroyed as it's been tainted by sin. Now God, after the tribulation, is gonna restore the earth to a certain degree and it's gonna be almost like a restored Garden of Eden, which I'll talk about in a moment. But it still will be tainted by sin because there will still be mortal people that will be in it, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, and they will still have the possibility of sin coming out of them. One more Old Testament scripture for now. Isaiah 2, two to four. Now it will come about in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the people, the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he will judge between the nations. He will render decisions for many people and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. That scripture a lot of people have heard. It's on the side of the United Nations. Problem with the United Nations is they're not gonna do it during man's rule. It'll happen during God's rule. Amen. So you can see why there was so much confusion. Keep in mind, when I was looking at scriptures to give you for the millennium, we'd be here till two o'clock, and I don't know if I'd get them all. There are so many, especially Old Testament scriptures that point to this thousand year period that was promised. And now you can see why there was so much confusion, even among the apostles when Jesus came the first time, because if you look through the Old Testament, there's all these scriptures about a suffering servant, a suffering Messiah, but there's also a lot of scriptures of one coming in glory and establishing a kingdom and ruling and reigning and having his people be the servants and things like that and restoring King David over Israel. All these things are there. So when Jesus came, that's what people expected. Even the apostles one time, you'll know in scriptures, they say, Lord, is this when you're gonna establish your kingdom? You know, it was on their mind. You know, this business about going to the cross confused them. As far as the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't want to hear about a suffering servant. All they cared about, all they, most, most of them carried, cared about was the one that was going to come in glory and overthrow the Romans. They didn't get that there'd be two comings. And that's why there was so much confusion. So there were promises to the Old Testament saints, but there's also promises to the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.2. It's a short one. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And also, we've already had one scripture from Revelation, but look at Revelation 5, 9 to 10. 
And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And listen to this. You have been made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Now it's interesting to me, there's a Christmas song, there's a song we sing at Christmas time that was actually written about the millennium, about his second coming, not his first coming. And that song was written by Handel and Isaac Watts, who wrote a lot of old uh, hymns. And the song is Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We all sing it at Christmas. It was actually, if you go back and, and read Isaac Watts' writings, he wrote it for the millennium. He was writing about the millennium. And when you read the lyrics, again, I won't sing it to you. When you read the lyrics, I can see how the first verse, you get away with kind of making it a Christmas one if you want to. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Okay, get that one. Now we start getting into more millennial territory here. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Now he reigns in our hearts, but he's not reigning over the earth right now, is he? I wouldn't want to give him credit for what's going on in this world right now. Let earth, let the men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Now here's the one that really is that he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the light of his righteousness and wonders of his love. It was written about the millennium, and you heard it here first. I'm here to say that I think this song will be a big hit during the millennium, okay? <laughs> now, who will be in the millennium? Two classes of people. There will be the saints that come back to us, us, that are gonna be living and reigning with him on this earth, but there's also gonna be as catastrophic, as horrible, as the tribulation's gonna be, there will be some people that survive it and get into this new restored and restructured earth, okay? These people will have children, all right? These children will be there and they will have the right to believe or not believe and they will have tremendous advantages over you and I because the knowledge of the Lord will be widespread. It'll be everywhere, it'll be everything. And it won't be a matter of, it, it'll be, this is the way it is. King Jesus is there, he appoints all these people. And it won't be an issue as far as what's true and what isn't. And yet, as we'll see later on, there still will be rebellion in the heart of man. The age of these people will be greatly restored, just like it was before the flood. You know, before the flood, people lived, Methuselah was 900 years old. Uh, you'll see a lot of them, if you look at the timeline, people lived to be five, six, seven, eight hundred years old. And then after the flood is when it gradually started to go to where we are now. The age will be restored. Age of mortals will be as it was before the flood. Look at Isaiah 65, verse 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. But the child shall die 100 years old. The sinner, being 100 years old, will be accursed. So if you're a mortal in that day and age, you may live to be seven, 800, 900 years old. Bad news about that is when you get a job, just think how long it takes before you get Social Security. <laughs> but I think whatever job people have, they're gonna like. So. What are the other kind of people that'll be there? Well, I've kind of alluded to that. 
we will be there. Isn't that exciting? I want you to look forward to the new heavens and the new earth, but I also want you to look forward to this millennium period. Imagine being reunited with your loved ones that have gone before and working hand in hand and doing some service with the Lord with them, something you're gonna enjoy, something you're gonna love, something that's gonna be exciting, and you're doing it all for him. Wherever he sends you, wherever you are, keep in mind this restructured and restored earth is gonna look very different than it looks now. You know, I got thinking, I hope he appoints me one of the Hawaiian Islands or something like that, but I got thinking how it probably won't even be there. The earth's gonna be tilted on its axis during the tribulation, so I think land's gonna pop up and oceans are, it's all gonna look very different, but if he wants to give me one of those tropical islands, I won't complain and I'm gonna make sure all the gas pumps don't do what they do to me now. So what kind of job will you have? Well, I think somehow we'll be involved with the expression of his will, like I said. Pastor alluded a couple weeks ago to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if that judgment is when you get rewards for all eternity, but I'll bet it's at that judgment seat of Christ, too, that you get your appointment for this millennial time as well. It would make sense. It may be that as Christians and glorified bodies, we on this new restored earth will be the teachers, the prime ministers, the judges, administrators, the editors, all who are responsible for legislation will have his delegated authority. Now listen to this. There's gonna be truth in education. No more taking the Bible out of school libraries. You know, sometimes you can go in a school library now and they can have a Koran in there, but they can't have a Bible. That'll be totally flip-flopped during the millennium. There will be honesty in any newspaper and news telecast. Wouldn't that be something? I think it'll be the JNN, the Jesus News Network. No more CNN. <laughs> There'll be no more pollution or porn on the newsstands. Books will be filled with truth. The saints will be in charge of television, radio, education, the judicial process, all as delegates of his authority. Remember, there won't be any elections. No elections. Everything will be appointments. Keep in mind, this is going to be a theocracy, not a democracy. A theocracy is when the king rules and reigns, and he appoints who, he's, he, who he wants. It's his earth now, okay? And he's going to take it back. We are simply going to enforce his agenda. The government of Jesus, what's it gonna be like? There's several scriptures that say he is gonna rule out of Jerusalem. He's gonna appoint people in various places. It does say specifically in a couple places, in fact, I read one of those scriptures, that King David will be put in charge of Israel. So King David will be back, he'll be in charge of Israel, but he reports to Jesus, Jesus is king over all the earth and he appoints people all over the earth that report to him. He rules as king of kings and lord of lords and all earthly leaders, Christians, will report to him. And then the mortal people, again, are there. They'll be doing things. They'll be having jobs. They'll be coming to Christ, things like that. But two classes of people. Jesus will rule from Jerusalem. He will truly be the God of this age and the whole world and its economy, labor, education, social life, morality, ideas, and concept are going to reflect what? The mind of Christ. This is the opposite of what we have today where Satan is the god of this age. That's why the world is as messed up as it is. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Whose minds the god of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. 
You can see that right now in our news, TV shows, movies, etc. You can just see who has control over that. Keep in mind now, God always wanted to be the king. He's our king spiritually. But if you look at the book of 2 Samuel, I don't have time to go there, you'll see that he, always, he was their king, and all of a sudden the Israelites started clamoring with Samuel the prophet and say, hey, everybody on earth has a king. We want a king. You have God. No, we want somebody on earth. And that's when Saul came in. That didn't work out too well, did it? Man-made rule as a whole over the ages has not worked out. When he comes back and he rules, he's going to show us how it's supposed to be done, how it was always meant to be done. Under the rule of Jesus, prosperity and good health will reign. There'll be no prisons, no hospitals. Think about it. No mental institutions, no saloons, no homes for the aged. You want to see healings? There'll be a lot of healings during this time period. The earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Any sin by this, any of the moral folks will be visited with swift judgment. So let me, let me ask you a question. And this is where, do you guys mind if I get politically incorrect for a minute? that all right? In God's kingdom then, as I contrast what this culture is like today and what it will be like under his rule, all this talk right now going on about abortions, and states saying, well, we think that, uh, you know, the state of Georgia just came out and said, we're, we're against it, we don't want to have, you know, we're, we're, and, and all of a sudden Hollywood is say, well, we're not going to make any movies there then. Well, that's their tough luck, okay. But do you think during the reign of Christ there's going to be any discussion whether a, abortion is right or not? No. Not at all. Not at all. What about a family? What will a family be considered? It'll be a marriage between a man and a woman is what it's going to be. I got annoyed this morning, talk about being cranky, I got annoyed this morning when I was reading the news how in Canada, there's some parents suing a school because in their kindergarten class, they're trying to teach them gender identity. That you, at that age, that you can be a boy, a girl, and there's some other things you can consider. They're teaching this in schools. That'll be blasted out completely, that will not exist. Will companies like Chick-fil-A be kicked out of airports and colleges? That's in the news now. There's all these airports and colleges kicking out Chick-fil-A or wanting to kick them out because they stand for Christian principles. Let me tell you something. During the millennium, every business will stand for Christian principles. Will there be any faith besides Christianity? No. There will not be any Buddhism. There will not be any Islam. There will not be any Hinduism. There won't be any cults. There won't be any Hare Krishna and all that kind of stuff because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He proved it by raising from the dead. Buddha did not raise from the dead. Muhammad did not raise from the dead. Krishna did not raise from the dead. That is all deceptions of the enemy through the ages to spin lies and deceptions and everything else to take people off the right path. It'll just be Jesus's way. Now people come up to me and say, Dan, that's not very diverse. That's not very inclusive. I just say, too bad. <laughs> because this is the way it is in the kingdom. It's his world. It's his world now. It should be that way now. And he's coming back to set it straight. Now, as far as racial diversity and everything else, of course, 
it's always meant to be. I have a teaching that I do called One Blood where I show that racism is the stupidest thing that there is. In fact, the difference between a white man and a black man genetically with modern genetics is like 98.9%. And yet look at all the strife and fighting and all that that's gone on. He made us diverse for a reason. Sometimes I thought it was a test because he wanted to see if we would argue and fight with each other just because we're different. Unfortunately, we haven't done too well with that. So there'll be no racism at all in the kingdom of God. Everybody will be accepted for what they are. As you go through these scriptures on the millennium, you're gonna see that it'll be a place of world peace, economic stability, the rest restoration of right education, true values. Now let me talk about the earth as a whole for a minute. I kind of alluded to the fact, during the, you read about the tribulation and the seven seal judgments, all the judgments, everything else, the earth is gonna be completely tilted off its axis through earthquakes, through probably nuclear war, all of that. <coughs> when he comes back, he's gonna restore that. Okay, and so it's gonna look very different, but I think it'll be, a from the scriptures I see, it's gonna be a restored Garden of Eden, very much so. Look at Isaiah 40, verse four. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth. And I will open rivers into high places and fountains in the midst. That's verse 41.1. A restored Garden of Eden. As I said, animals will be different. You guys are familiar with this one, Isaiah 11, six to nine. The wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them and also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra and the weaned child will put his hand in the viper's den. This brings us back again to the way the things they used to be initially in the Garden of Eden. They cha this changed after the fall of man. Now, incredibly, and Pastor and I were talking about this before the service, incredibly, there's gonna be people during this time with all the knowledge they have, with all the ability, with all the everything, with all this wonderful things going on, there's still gonna be people it, that will reject him despite living in this marvelous kingdom. The Bible tells us, and I've already read the scripture, that Satan will be loosed in the end and the people that are leaning and inclined that way will still follow him. When people reject Christ during the millennium before he's let out, it's just their sinful nature coming out. Again, during the millennium, there's not gonna be the temptations and all that stuff that Satan and his demons throw at you. He'll be bound up. It'll be your own, the mortal people will be their own sin manifesting. When he's let out, he's gonna connect in that and cause deceptions and issues like, like never before again. However, this will be dealt with swiftly and firmly. You will see as you read the book of Revelation, that is dealt with extremely swiftly, and I'm not gonna, I don't have time to read the whole scriptures there, there's about two chapters worth, but you'll see that he's thrown in forever this time. In other words, he comes with an army and he tries to surround Jerusalem where Jesus is, and it says, the Bible tells you, you can read it for yourself in Revelation 21, fire comes out of heaven and just wipes them out, it's, and all the people that were with him, and that is it, and that is it and then it's all over, and the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, the earth is recreated, and eternity starts at that point. We have so much to look forward to, saints. We have so much to look forward to. 
Again, as I said at the beginning of this, we need to be grateful for our salvation, saints. We really do. The Apostle Paul, chief of sinners, persecutor of the church, towards, you know, in his writings, he would, I know he would say, why me, Lord? Have you ever done that? Have you ever just, you know, a lot of you were probably raised in Christian homes. Some of you, and, and if you just, if you followed in your parents' footsteps, you had to accept Christ on your own. You had to do it. You couldn't go on your parents' faith, but it's just, and then there's some of us that came out of different things where just different systems, some didn't believe anything at all. Isn't it amazing when you realize, wow, I'm here. How in the world, what are the odds that I am here standing? What are the odds that you're in this church today? Do you ever feel that way? Aren't you grateful that the Lord somehow, some way, out of all your family, out of all your friends, you're the one sitting there? I know I've done that. And I know that... Um, I've read about, uh, I used to listen to Johnny Cash before he died, and some of the stuff, the stuff that I really treasure is his last few years. His voice was no good. His voice was terrible, to be honest with you, but he was still doing songs and putting out records, and, but they glorified God. And a lot, one of his songs, I don't know if it's the title of it, but it said, Why Me, Lord? What did I ever do? Because he saw all his other friends that had gotten into drugs, that had gotten into all these things that he did. And somehow, here he was still standing with renewed faith in God and his friends didn't. And he just would stand back. I read his biography. He said, I just don't, I'm so grateful, but why did, the God, why did God choose me? The Apostle Paul said, why did he choose me? And it's just, it just blows me away to read stories. I love reading stories like that because it's just so, it's just so exciting to me. And we were saved, saints, so we could glorify God. We were saved so we could glorify God. And certainly the millennium is going to glorify God. Why? Because we show what man-made rule has done. We've messed it up big time. You're going to see that when he's ruling things, it's going to glorify him because it's going to be done right. So I want to close by saying just one thing here, and that is I get frustrated as Christians, that we don't, we don't value our salvation enough like we should. And I hope today we can kind of recommit to that and really look forward to all that we have coming. As hard as this world gets, as goofy as this world gets politically, where nothing gets done because factions are fighting against each other, whenever that happens now, I look forward and I say, yeah, but you know, someday King Jesus is going to rule and there won't be any abortions, there won't be this, there won't be that, there won't be that. And so I, I, I've been looking forward to it. And I'm still fighting the good fight while I'm here. But it's wonderful that we have something to look forward to. It really is. And again, if you don't know Christ today, you can. And he died for you. You just have to recognize that you're a lost sinner and you've got no hope on your own. There's no church that can save you. This church can't save you. This church can equip you to live the Christian life, but it can't save you. That's what churches are for. You come to understand that Jesus Christ came into this world to save you, that he shed his blood and took his sins, he took our sins upon himself, the divine exchange. He gets our sin and punishment, we get his life and glory. Pretty good deal for us. The Father looked at him with our sin and punished him and he looks at us and he sees Jesus' righteousness. When we believe and truly accept this and say this is what I want, it changes us. We are justified 
and the rest of our life we go through this process of sanctification. And it's a wonderful life. And again, I hope you've come to realize today we just have so much to look forward to. Amen? Pastor, could you come up? Thank you. Would you stand with me? I'm very confident today that there are some people probably here visiting, here for the third time maybe, whatever your case may be. And you're just wondering, what was all of that about? And this is just some of the things that the Bible says something like this. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him. And for those of us who would just think that all we're going to do is be religious, you know, we're just going to do the religious things, and that's all that it's just going to be. The Bible also says that God has come to bring life, and life to the fullest for every one of us. So to hear about the millennial reign of Christ, to know that Jesus is going to be ruling our world for a thousand years, for a thousand years, to hear about the, the horror of what's going to be taken, all of that could just sort of put us into a tailspin. What does all of that mean? And the fact of the matter is, for who you may be today and so new in your faith or maybe just about ready to give your life to the Lord, these are things that we have to learn. And we have to learn them over and over again until finally it gets into our heart and we realize, you know, this is real. And my friend, I want to conclude just by saying this. One thing that you know for sure is real is that people die. We're either going to live in heaven forever with God or we're going to be totally separated from God forever and live in a place that is called hell. I taught on that last week. It was one of the most difficult messages I've had to teach. I, I don't like it at all. I said that in the beginning of the message. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you refuse God, if you don't receive Christ, we're not talking about coming to this church. We're not talking about getting out of the Catholic church and begin to be in the assembly of God. We're not saying any of that at all. We're saying whether you're a Catholic or not even going to church, I want to believe in Jesus. He, he is the one that went to the cross for me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask if you want Jesus to become the Lord and leader of your life, that your sins would be forgiven, that you would be confident, that you would spend eternity with God. This is a prayer that you would just need to pray. It's, it's no, it's, there's not a scriptural prayer guideline that we have to go, except to say something like this. And if this is your desire to receive Christ, say this with me. You can whisper it, you can just move your lips, or you can say it out loud, however you want to do it. Dear Lord Jesus, I understand you went to the cross for me. And I admit to you, God, that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made a hundred thousand mistakes. But I know you'll forgive me. And I ask you to forgive me today of all of my sins. And help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer with me for the first time or maybe the third time in, in, in many years since you've done that, would you just hold up your hand? Hold it up nice and high. I want to acknowledge that. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here. I appreciate it. Over here in the center. Thank you. for you. And over here in the back. And over here. Many people. Thank you. On my right side. Thank you over here. I appreciate it. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? So, Father God, I'm just so grateful for these many people who have given their lives to Jesus today.
who have believed on you in a way maybe they walked away from, but now they're returning. Or for those of us who would, this is brand new stuff to us. I pray that God, you would just continue to make yourself known. I pray that you would be glorified in their lives. And I pray you take the weight of that sin that they've been carrying. Take it off their back, oh God, and put a skip in their step. And I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave out of here, we got just a couple more minutes. We're going to do our last and final worship song. If you would like prayer for anything, these are our intercessors. These are people, people who have been praying for you since the very beginning of the service. And they've just come in at this time. We want them to be here with you. And if you need prayer for anything, anything whatsoever, you don't have to go in great detail. But we encourage you to come down and let them pray over you while we're singing this last and final worship song. So go ahead, Jason, if you would do lead us in that song.